0: Well good morning everyone. Welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Rich and I'm one of the co-lead pastors here along with Greg who you already met during the announcements. Thank you for choosing to be with us this morning. Um, Thanks to those of you who are listening online through our live feed or podcast later. We appreciate you engaging with us in whatever form you're able to today. I want to start us off with a few questions. They're kind of something just to think about. You don't have to shout it out yet but think about this. What sells 100 million copies each year, with 50 copies sold every minute. Its complexity can disorient the greatest minds, and yet its simplicity can be understood by little children. Most widely read, most fiercely debated, and most often quoted book in history. What are we talking about? Harry Potter Potter is false. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Linda. Uh, The Bible. It's the Bible. And today we are excited to be starting a new series called Understanding the Bible. And... uh Having talked with Anthony Hale just a few moments ago, i got to clarify, because this series can be, uh, the title can be a little confusing. He said his hope is that he will understand at least a quarter of the Bible by the end of the day. And I want to be clear that over the next three weeks, I'm not going to help explain everything about the Bible. Sorry, Anthony. And I'm not going to answer every single question you have about the text over the next three weeks. That's not our goal. Really, the goal of this series is to make space for us, As a community, to rethink what the Bible is, what it means to us, um, to think about the hope that we have, or maybe that we've been lacking in the text, and how we're invited to engage with and be transformed by this ancient text. With that, I'm going to open this up in prayer. Father, Son, Spirit, it is so good to be in your presence. It is so good to be reminded uh, that you are with us. That you want to be in a relationship with us. That you communicate to us. And you invite us to go deeper into that relationship. And we do that in so many ways, be it in singing, uh, taking communion, sharing life with one another, praying with one another, as well as looking at your word. And so God, I pray that you this morning would reveal yourself to us in new ways and refreshing ways reignite us to go deeper with you we pray in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen as we begin a couple questions simple love just raise your hand if you have a thought first question is what word or words come to mind when you think of the bible controversial. what was that controversial controversial Others. Things that come to mind when you hear the word the Bible. God's guidebook. God's word. God's word. Compassion. Compassion. Stewardship. Pardon me? Stewardship. Okay. Others? Yeah. Something I need to open more. Something I need to open more, okay? Yeah. Really, really it's a big book, yeah. <laughs> you used to feel outdated? That was outdated. Yeah, good. Anybody else? Yeah. Confusing. Confusing. Yep. Yeah. Interpretation. Interpretation. Okay. Story. Stories. Good. Wisdom. Wisdom. Mm-hmm. Parables. Parables. Misused. Misused. Yeah. Okay. How about this? We could just do a little survey here. When you think of your overall engagement with the Bible over your experience with it, whether that's been a year or your whole life, when you think of your overall engagement with it, would you say your desire to read and learn, generally speaking, not just thoughts, but in action has gone up or down? Do you find yourself more excited to engage with it or less excited? So those of you who feel less excited about or motivated to engage the text, raise your hand. Be honest, okay? Okay? Those of you who feel more interested in getting into it, raise your hand. Awesome. I'm going to be honest with you. This series, I've really struggled with putting together. Um, and I actually am only doing one of them. Greg's doing the next two. But... The reason it has been is because when we think of the Bible, it doesn't matter who we are, it doesn't matter if it's someone that I've never met before who walks into this room, what they think about and how they've experienced and what ideas come to mind when they think about the Bible is very different. We all have understandings and experiences and preconceived ideas, not to mention many feelings in some cases of guilt and doubt and confusion to maybe experience of challenge and transformation and growth. And for some of us, your relationship with the Bible has been one that feels very religious, very disciplined, and very study-driven. It's all about knowledge. And for others, it's been all about application. While others have struggled to find meaning and understanding, and as a result, you've never really connected to the text on your own. And for some, the only time you engage with the text is when you're here at church. And for others, it happens to you all the time, every day. It may even be part of your job, like mine. For me, I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't grow up in a Christian family or going to Sunday school. In fact, I got my first Bible, which is this one right here, when I was in high school. It still has the teeth marks from my dog chewing on it. And uh, the person who I love who gave it to me wrote my name and spelled it three different ways on this Bible. Um... It wasn't until high school when I started reading the Bible and starting my relationship with God. But when I think about my experience with the Bible, I think of it kind of like a kid's evolving relationship with their parents. I started with this early childlike faith dependency kind of stage where I was reading my Bible a lot. I was soaking up all the stories, believing everything. It was new and it was nothing like anything I had read before. I found stories like Adam and Eve, David and Goliath, Joshua, and the Battle of Jericho to be these amazingly good, glorious, and real stories, as real as my mom's incredibly good chicken parmesan, right? Like it was real. But then as I continued to grow in my faith and engagement with the scriptures, I started to kind of fumble through a kind of angry and confused stage, One where I started to realize that after Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, God basically tells him to kill every man, woman, and child in the city. And that flowing through some of my favorite stories were these currents of genocide and xenophobia and patriarchy and misogyny. And so I began to doubt and question what I'd been told about the Bible's exclusive authority. Its inerrancy and its consistency. And so kind of like a teenager who suddenly made aware of their parents' flaws, I started screaming and kind of hollering and kind of slammed the door closed on the Bible. And I kind of sunk into this quiet withdrawal. And it wasn't that I gave up on the Bible. It was just the Bible was now bringing up more questions than answers. And it wasn't Uh, the basic instructions before leaving earth that I had been told it was and it wasn't this map directing every single one of my decisions in fact it was straight up hard sometimes and so I felt all kinds of new feelings about the Bible including frustration and betrayal and confusion and doubts and if I'm really being honest with you I told almost no one because I was really worried what other believers would think of me if I told them And I felt shame thinking something was wrong with me for not feeling the same inspiration and the same challenge by this text that I very much believed in. And I wrestled with this for a number of years. Then I went to grad school. (laughs) And when I went to grad school, thankfully I was in a place because I had never given up on the Bible, even in the midst of these feelings. Um, I had still found times where the Bible was nourishing and challenging to me But it was this real up and down, and it was during this time where I worked up the desire to reapproach the text, this time with a different set of expectations, kind of like when you grow up and become adults and we start to learn how to relate to our parents as adults. I was able to start to engage the text in a new way that honored and respected the Bible for what it is, not for what I wanted it to be or what I wished it was. And this became the beginning of a really great journey that I'm still on. One that has had its ups and downs for sure, but has become life-giving, challenging, encouraging, mysterious, humbling, beautiful, and transformational. And that's really our hope with this series, that we might experience something of an igniting of desire in us to engage the scriptures in new, refreshing, honest, grace-filled ways ways that honor and respect the Bible for what it is, not for what we want it to be or what we wish it was. Amen? You see, if you've had an experience with the Bible that was remotely close to mine, then you may be walking down the line that leads to what is known today as post-Bible Christianity. You may already be a post-Bible Christian. These are people who are Christians who believe in Jesus, but in many ways have disregarded the text, or at least the parts they don't like or understand. It's kind of like that crazy uncle you only see maybe once or twice a year at holiday events. They're hard to be around. You see things differently on almost everything. It's awkward. It takes a lot of effort. And even though they're family and you care about them, you put little to no effort to try to connect with them, let alone listen to them or want to learn from them. And sadly, this has become more and more prominent in our culture with regards to the Bible. But is that really how it should be, right? Hopefully your answer is no. And this is not the way God intended our relationship with the text to be either. So with that, today, I think it's important for us to to go back and think about what is this book we call the Bible and how are we invited to engage with it. Now hopefully you got a handout and I'm actually gonna just hope that you got it but ask you not to so much worry about it. There's a lot of text on there and I'm gonna tell you pretty much everything's on there Um, but it's more something for you to come back to. Be helpful for you to rethink. But some basic facts about the Bible. The Bible is one book divided into two major divisions, Old Testament, which contains 39 separate books, and the New Testament, which contains 27. Each of these books later down the line were further divided into chapter and verse to basically help us better navigate it, because it's big, depending on what size Bible you have. I don't know why I got older, and I can not see nearly as good, but I've gone smaller. My other Bibles are much bigger and have like gigantor print, but it's a big book, The Bible is written over a period of more than 1,500 years on three continents, including Asia, Europe, and Africa, by more than 40 authors who wrote in three different languages, Old Testament, primarily Hebrew with some Aramaic, and the New Testament, written in Greek. The biblical authors lived in different eras and came from different cultures. Some were Jews and some were Gentiles. Some were kings. Some were poor. Some were highly educated. Some had little to no education, some were religious leaders, some were political leaders, some were prophets, some were simply ordinary, everyday folks. The reality is the, the variation between the author's backgrounds from one to another is enormous, to say the least. Now the earliest portions of the Old Testament were recorded around 1400 B.C. with the Old Testament writings ending with the book of Malachi around 400 B.C. And then Malachi is followed by a roughly 400-year time gap before the New Testament begins, with the New Testament starting around 44 to 95 AD. And to add to this, the Bible includes all kinds of literary writing styles as well. Approximately 43% of the Bible is made up of narrative, story, from historical narrative to parables. Parables. Roughly 33% of the Bible is poetry, including songs, reflective poetry, and passionate, politically resistant poetry of the prophets. The remaining 24% of the Bible is prose discourse, including laws, sermons, letters, and even one essay. And each biblical book uses, to a varying degree, a combination of these literary styles to make its unique contribution to the overall story of the text. So with all of this, which is just the tip of the iceberg of what we call the Bible, you can see that it wouldn't take much for us to get lost or or confused. Not only because it's an ancient text with ancient context spanning multiple continents over hundreds of years with 40 authors, different languages and literary styles, but also because the book is just large and complex. But here's what's so amazing, is that despite all of this, the Bible shows a remarkable unity. It opens with the phrase, in the beginning, and the second to last paragraph concludes with, and they reigned forever and ever. In other words, although it may appear fragmented at first, it ultimately presents itself as one unified, epic narrative that leads to to Jesus. The one main plot line weaving all the different books and stories together is Jesus. And it's quite incredible. And here's the thing. Once you grasp the core storyline of how all the books fit together, you can then, at the very least, pick up the book at any point and have a general idea of where you are in the story and what's going on. And so, with that, there's lots of ways to map out kind of the overall movement of the scripture, some with more details and then others. But I'm just going to give you an example of one of those the general movements of the scripture. First movement, we call creation and the royal task, you see, in the first two chapters of Genesis. Then we move to rebellion and the fallout. Then we get God's covenant. With Israel as a result of what's happened with this rebellion. And you can see all the books that are involved in that part of the text. Then, after Malachi ends, we move into the stories of Jesus and the kingdom of God in the Gospels. And then from there, we see the spreading of the kingdom and the people and the beginning of the church with letters to churches and Acts and all those kinds of things. And then the book concludes with the last book of the Bible, Revelation, with the return. Of the king. Now, all this clearly makes the Bible unlike any other book. But what's even more amazingly cool about the Bible is that, unlike any other book, the Bible's alive and inspired and active. And the Bible is God's Word given to us through the incredible partnership between the Spirit of God and humanity. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now that word, phrase, God-breathed is this word in the Greek, theonustos, And it means divinely breathed in or given by inspiration of God. Think of being like resuscitated. Second Peter one twenty through twenty one helps us have a better idea of what this kind of God breathed experience looked like. It says this above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting is those highlighted words came about and carried along are the same word in the Greek, and it's this word pharaoh, and it means to lead, to move, to carry along, to bear, or to uphold. And so we see this incredible picture of God through the Holy Spirit collaborating with humanity in order to communicate to us. And the Spirit did this with the Old Testament, with the prophets, as well as all the authors of the New Testament, and it's this picture of God in relationship communicating with humanity. That is like the coolest thing ever. And that's, that's the story of God wanting to be in relationship, collaborating close with humanity from the very beginning. Even Jesus talks about how the scriptures tell us the true story of God. In fact, if you ever wanted to know how Jesus would summarize the entire Old Testament, you should check this out. This is after Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's with his disciples. This is Luke 24. Jesus says to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophet's and the Psalms. Let's hear that. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's the Old Testament. Then, this is so cool, Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Jesus told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus says it's I've been with you all this time. This is what I've been telling you the entire time. Everything in the text, all the scriptures, it's fulfilled in me. Jesus is the heartbeat that resounds throughout the scriptures from beginning to end. And then it says Jesus opens their minds so that they could understand the scriptures, which I absolutely love. Because this is exactly what we need when we read the text. We need to have the Holy Spirit, Opening our minds to better understand the scriptures. We need the active, alive breath of God moving in us, carrying us along, building us up in relationship with us as we look to understand and apply the teachings of the Bible. You see, the scriptures were never meant to be homework or assignments or tests that you pass or fail. They weren't given to us to determine who's more committed to knowing God than others based off how much of it they have memorized. They aren't meant to be a map that gives you literally every direction you take for every single decision you could possibly have. It's not an instruction manual telling you every single thing to do and everything that's right and wrong in the world. And God didn't give it to us to be an idol. God didn't give it to us to make divisions between humanity and others or to make us feel guilt or shame. What I want you to hear is that the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, the Word of God that spoke the heavens and all of creation into existence, the same Word of God that became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, the same breath of God that gives each and every one of us life at every moment right now, the same breath of God that breathed, moved with, carried along each and every author of the scriptures, the same Spirit that came down at Pentecost. The same power that conquered the grave in Jesus is with us right now and desires to show us and help us experience more and more of the unconditional love of God and how to share it with others. And one of the primary ways the Spirit does this is through our engagement with the Scriptures, both individually and in community. The Bible is this miraculously inspired book showing us the unified story of God who is forever faithfully present. And it's designed to help us better understand who God is, what God's like, who we are as humanity, and how God loves us and longs to be in a relationship with us. And how we can follow Jesus' example to share that good news with others. I think we get lost sometimes in understanding what the Bible is supposed to be. And when we don't understand or we see it for something it's not, it affects how we engage with it. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You see why any literature, including Harry Potter, is passive in nature, God's word is alive and active, and it penetrates our heart, it assesses our attitudes, and its words can alter the course of our life. Many of you are here because you've experienced something of that at one time or another. In fact, the Bible has been altering the lives of millions of people in every nation, in every color, in every race, in every language, and it does today and every day. The Word of God is not dead, and it's not incapable of impact. I love how theologian Scott McKnight said it in his book, The Blue Parakeet, Rethinking How to Read the Bible. He said this, God spoke in Moses's day in Moses's way. And God spoke in Job's day in Job's way. And God spoke in David's day in David's way. And God spoke in Solomon's day in Solomon's way. And God spoke in Jeremiah's day in Jeremiah's way. And spoke to Jesus in Jesus's day in Jesus's way. And God spoke to Paul's days in Paul's ways God spoke in Peter's days in Peter's ways, and God spoke in John's days in John's ways. And we are called to carry on this pattern in our world today. The Word of God is not stuck in the past. It's speaking to us today through the same Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is still at work opening our minds to understanding the Scripture if we will let it do so. This then is an invitation to engage the text with all of our whole self, our heart, soul, mind, and strength in cooperation with the Spirit, which means, this is good news, that the Spirit is more than comfortable to be present with our doubts and our frustrations in our confusions along with our joys and our hopes and all of that. It's all important to the interpretive process, and it always has been from the very beginning. Now, with that, I hope that you can see that if you've been reading the Bible thinking it's something it isn't, how that can affect everything. If you think it's going to answer every single question you have and it doesn't answer your question, that gets frustrating. If you think it's this map that's going to perfectly answer the right-left turn that you need to do and it doesn't do that, that's going to be a problem. If it's got an answer to the things that are everything that you find confusing, that's going to affect how you read it. If there's things in it that you expect to completely agree with and there's things you find that you don't agree with, that affects it. And it's really easy, just like in our political conversation we talked about, when we find things that we disagree with or we have a hard time with, that we give up on that. So that question comes up again. How has the way you have thought of the Bible affected the way you engage with it? Have you been thinking of the Bible in a way and expecting it to be something it's not? You see, what makes the Bible so incredible is that the Spirit joins us and partners with us and collaborates with us no matter where we are and no matter how old we are and no matter how many times we've read the Scripture, which is why I believe we go through different stages of experiences and understandings of the text It's why children can understand things in certain ways that us adults don't, and vice versa. And in fact, the Spirit is always open and inviting us to be in relationship with God, and the Spirit is always using the text as a primary way to draw us in. I love how um, Isaiah chapter 55 talks about this. This is Isaiah, empowered to prophesy on behalf of God, speaking words for us to hear from God. And and it's this word of invitation in Isaiah 55, 1 through 3. It says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the riches of fair. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. It goes on and gets even better. Verse 8 through 11 says, my thoughts, this is God's, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And this is something we can understand. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. Here we go. It's the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit it will accomplish all i want it to and it will prosper everywhere i send it the word of god is not stuck in the past it's speaking us today through the same holy spirit and the spirit that was speaking back then is still at work opening our minds to understand the word Now, the other incredible thing that we have that's unlike any time in history is access to information, resources, tools, you name it, to help us engage the text. It's crazy to think that it wasn't that long ago before the majority of people had zero access to the Bible. It was limited to a few scrolls, a few tablets that only the high priest had. And so if you ever heard the scriptures, it was spoken to you. With the inventing, invention of the printing press, it caused this incredible spread of availability of the text to the point where you may be like me where you have a whole bunch of Bibles, many of which maybe you don't even read. You might have 20 in your house that just sit there, whereas it wasn't that long ago before nobody had them. Many of us today have the availability of it on our phone and a simple click of a button to translate it in every way you could imagine. And you can easily look up a word in Greek or Hebrew, or you can easily access information that helps you understand the culture and the context of the Scriptures, which is one of the things that's so amazing to have all this content. It's also quite overwhelming, right? So then where do you start? And my invitation is that you start with your heart. Start by asking the Spirit to open your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your whole self, to the Scriptures again. And I want to encourage you, as you do, to press beyond your comfort zones into human territory that might feel to you very different with regards to your relationship to the Scriptures. So, for example, if you tend to gravitate toward the intellectual side of engaging the Bible, which there's nothing wrong with that, I want to encourage you to open yourself up to experiencing more of the vibrant, immediate emotions that come up in the text. So in other words, don't just view the Bible as something to study and know, but something to feel and to experience and to live out. Because I believe finding ways to ground ourselves in real experiences and feelings can point us to God in unique ways. Now, on the other hand... If you tend to read the Bible and you get caught up in all the emotions and the feelings and it distracts you from the study, I want to encourage you to open yourself to injecting fresh ideas that come through the spiritual habit of study. And so as we close, I want to give you just a few examples of different ways that you can engage the text in light of this. This is by no means a comprehensive list. Um, and I hope that you'll come back next week because Greg will be talking more specifically about how we take in the text and what comes out as a result. Um, But real quick, a couple ideas to think about just creatively engaging the text. One, I call reflective um, engagement. This is where you pick up your Bible, you read a story, and as you read the story, you try to engage it in a different way. Take a character and try to put yourself into that story. And to think about how you feel and the questions that you're asking and what's going on around you. If it's Jesus talking to you, how would you respond if Jesus said that to you? And you notice the emotions that come up and the senses that arise and and the feelings that come. It's a great way to creatively engage the text. Another one, word or phrase study. Maybe pick a word or phrase like the kingdom of God or prayer or love or grace whatever the word or phrase is but take some time to look at all the places in the scriptures where that comes up it's a cool way to just to see the consistently the consistency that's in the text it helps you have a greater appreciation for those words and phrases when they come up and it helps you dive into deeper meaning that enhances your ability for application another tool is something called the Bible project the Bible Project is a website with these great online resources with amazing short videos and guides to help you better experience the unified story of the Bible and how it all points to Jesus. It's all free. It has all this amazing stuff on the Old and New Testament, biblical themes, word studies, how to read the Bible when you're reading poetry versus narrative versus historical words. We, we read those differently, and it has great resources to think about how you do that. It also has a one-year Bible reading plan that connects to all these resources. So as you're going through the Bible, it has these videos and stuff that help you engage and think about what you're looking at. Super cool and super free. So you should check it out. Another one, listening to the text. All of us probably have times where we listen to podcasts, live feeds, sermons online, you name it. One of the great ways to engage the text is just simply sitting back and listening And it's very easy to find audible versions of the Bible on your Kindle and other apps. That's a great way to think about what you're hearing and how it hits you when you hear it from somebody else. Verse of the day. A lot of people maybe already have these, but if you're just getting started, this is a great way to get an email that you sign up for or or on your social media that just sends you a verse of the day. It helps you think about the Bible every day, in some form or fashion, and whatever that verse is, use it as a prayer, use it as a question of what does this look like in my life. Another resource, I'm going through these quick, is called YouVersion, which is a Bible app. It's free that you can access tons of material from various Bible reading plans to verses of the day. It has free access to lots of Bible translations, including audible versions, so you're reading it, and you're like, I want to hear it, and you can click a button, and it'll speak it to you. You can highlight the words in the scripture, you can find notes, you can hit a word and it'll show you where it is in other places. You can even find a verse that you like and make a cool image with it and share it on social media or share it with other people. This is something I've been learning and you make it. It's just a very cool app, totally free. Two other websites that might be helpful to you. One's called Blue Letter Bible or one's called Bible Gateway. These are both just great study resources with Bible versions and search tools and commentaries. The Blue Letter Bible is really cool because you can click on a word and it'll immediately show you what it is in the Greek or the Hebrew, and you can click on a button. It'll even tell you how to pronounce it in that language, um, which is pretty cool. So you don't always have to hear the Italian version that I give. Um, and that's also free. Um, Some of you who are maybe a little more old school maybe remember the word hand that the navigators put out. It was this like image of a hand and on each finger it had a word to kind of help you think about engaging the text. One was hear, read, study, memorize, meditate. If that's just like a simple kind of way to think about the text, Google word hand, navigators, guarantee you'll find it. Another thing that I encourage people to do is just mark up your Bible. This is my first Bible, and if you look at it, you'll find all these things, half of which I don't remember why I wrote them, but I wrote questions, and I underlined things, and I highlighted things. Um, some people like to find codes. For example, every time you see a command, they will highlight it in one color, and every time you see a promise, they highlight it in a different color, and sometimes where they have questions, they write it on the sides, you name it. Use your Bible to write up, Um, if you're not comfortable with writing it up in your Bible, just get a journal and do the same thing. But engage with it. Be active with it. Don't let it just be this stagnant book that just sits there and you kind of are really gentle with. We have access to them everywhere. The last thing that I would say is to do this in community. Not because you can't do this as individuals, but it is really important that you find other people to talk about your questions, your doubts, your frustrations, your confusion, the things that you're excited about. And as much as we get to learn together here, we don't have a whole lot of space to process. So find other people to do that. Find other people who will challenge you to go beyond what you're learning to what you're applying. Because that's where the transformation will really come. Now, there's way more resources and all kinds of things out there. I'm not going to hit them all. I really encourage you to think about how you've been engaging the text and how maybe God is offering a new way of thinking to refresh you and to think about how you engage with the Holy Spirit as you learn. Um, My hope is that today you find yourself at least a little more open to engaging the text with freedom and curiosity and grace and desire and with your whole self In collaboration with the Spirit. Because I truly believe, One Life, that uh, the Spirit is inviting each of us to a deeper understanding of who God is and what God's up to and help us understand how much God loves us. Um, With that, I'd like to invite the worship and prayer team to come forward because I've been talking for way too long. The band's gonna play instrumentally for a few moments to give us some space to reflect on. Enormous amount of content Um, again. You have that handout which has a lot of this so you can go back to that, too Um, But I have a couple questions if you'd be willing to answer at least one of those on your connection card and turn it in That'd be super helpful We'd love to hear what's sticking out to you as you hear this So with that here's a couple questions to ponder the band will play and give you space to think Uh, Question number one. What did you hear or what stood out to you from today's teaching? No No answer is unfair to share. Number two, (coughs) what is the biggest obstacle that gets in the way of you engaging with the scriptures? We all have them. That's no surprise. What is it for you that gets in the way? Number three, what is an active step you take away, an active action step or takeaway that you will leave with today? Simple action step or takeaway. And the last one, which is also important, what questions do you have about the Bible that was not addressed today? I did not get to the place where you understand one quarter of the Bible. Uh, What are some questions you still have? Um, Let us know. That would be super helpful. Feel free to use this space as you think about these things to pray, to... dream, to confess, to own, um, whatever you need to do in this time. I want to note the prayer team is over here and they would be happy and honored to pray with and for you if you have any need. Um, I'm going to close our time with prayer. You'll have a few moments to, to reflect and then we're going to close with a song of response. So let's pray. Father, Son, Spirit, we thank you that you are a God from beginning from the beginning, who longs to be in relationship with us. That even in the making of this text, you engaged with messed up people to communicate your good word, your love, pointing us to Jesus. And thank you, God, that you, Holy Spirit, are still at work revealing yourself to us Calling us out and allowing us to grow deeper in our relationship with you. And so today, Lord, we pray for uh, a reigniting of desire in us. Where we have kind of looked at your word in ways that aren't fair. That don't respect it for what it is. Lord, we come back to it humbly and say thank you for it. And ask that you would help us to, to know you more. Help us not get distracted by our discomfort or our confusion, but make those be places where we, in relationship, draw closer to you. May we be transformed by this relational dynamic between you with us as we read your word. Our culture, our community, our neighborhood needs more people who are living as examples of you in humility, in grace, and peace. And so, Lord, help us to grow in that too. And be with us as we go. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.